This week on the podcast, we've got some guests to talk homebrew rules, chicken wings, chickens in general, and we brown nose our sponsor. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello and welcome to another episode of We Speak Common, brought to you in partnership with the Dice Dungeon UK. You know the drill, you can get yourself some really nice dice and if you use the code We Speak Common on checkout you get 10% off. We'll talk about it later on in the show and uh, there's a link in the description right now where you can go and use that lovely discount. Joe, how you doing? Benjamin, I'm doing well mate, how are you? Um, Yeah, I'm alright, I'm going to be completely honest with you and um, tell you straight away that because we are recording late in the evening, I am drinking. Oh, all right, fair enough, mate. Well, you know, sort of brings you down to about the level of commitment that I put into this show, so. Yeah. yeah. We can, we're on the same level now. It's, it's balanced. Balanced. How's your week going? You all right? Uh, it's very well, mate. Uh, I, I, so I'm speeding through this now, Ben, because I feel like I'm being watched, you know? Got <laughs> what, that like feeling. There's, there's eyes in the walls. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Let's go with that. All right. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we are joined by, I think uh, this might be the most amount of people we've had on the show ever. Yep. So we've I got. Think that is correct. Well, it's, technically, we've got three people with us, but I'm going to count four, and I'll explain later. Um, so today is uh, a nice big special show. We did try and plan to do it around episode 100, but that kind of went out of the wayside. So you know, 103 is fine. We're joined not only by um, Ben from the sponsor from Dice Dungeon UK, but also by two slash three. Uh, people from another show that they sponsor we'll get into that in a minute first um ben you're out in the ether somewhere say something hello can you hear me hello hello it's great to be here thanks for having me on i love this it's not even the first time listeners have heard your voice either no it's actually not i was yeah that was uh that that was strange hearing that on my on the the old podcast a couple of weeks ago (laughs) yeah you sound a little bit more normal this week Oh, good. I don't sound like a demented, like, robot or something, whatever it was sounded like. See, see, for people who don't know, we had a bit of, like, a cameo. <laughs> ben came on, did a bit of a voice and whatnot. But um, as for as much as he edited his audio, he still sounded like a northerner. So it was just like a demented northerner. Now it's just a northerner, you know? Yeah. Which I quite like. Yeah. Aren't all northerners demented, though? Well, Pretty there's much. an argument for that. Yeah. We're, we're a breed, we are a breed of our own, so. <laughs> I'm glad yeah, you said yeah, it. Yeah, yeah fair right. enough. Fair. Um, well, look, you are the only Northerner on the episode, so um, I mean, you're going to have to defend your people. Just, just so you. He's going to have to do a lot of defending I today, will, actually. Yeah. I will defend the North, just like Ned Stark and those after him tried yeah. to. He did that very well, he, didn't he? Did you see him? Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> so we're also joined by um, Harry and Hannah, which I'm gonna. I'm, that's going to be fun. We've got two H's, guys. Come on, make it easy for us. <laughs> Sauce. I mean. Because two Bens wasn't hard enough already. I know, I know. Um, we could just all be called Ben, that would be easier. <laughs> I mean, that would, uh, we'd all just be talking over each other then. So you guys are from um, Dragon Wings, which is another show that is sponsored by Dice Dungeon UK. And it's it's the one thing that we don't do, Joe, which is actual play. Yeah. Yeah, it's the actual hard, the hard work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say the DM in our bit does the hard work. I just turn up and fuck about, to be honest. So. Yeah, yeah we're, very much the, we're very much the roll out of bed and show up crew. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. okay. So you're nice. the you're the so, Joe so, of Dragon Wings. <laughs> yes. Definitely. So All that stuff you were saying about Joe, I was like, man, that really hits me where I live. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so it's the two bands that do the hard work. That's what we're establishing. Yeah. 
I mean, like uh, you, yeah. you can't say that because Dave's not here to defend himself. So that's true. Dave does send his apologies. I'd love to be here, but um, his uh, his computer is in bits currently, being the IT nerd that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's, he's been out. He's been out uh, doing some upgrades, so he does apologize. But uh, yeah. Hey, fair enough. And in the You've background gone. with Hannah, there is uh, an Ian somewhere, is there not? Just give us sort of a shout from the other side of the room, Ian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there he is. He's sort of there as my technical support. <laughs> fair enough. And, and Ian's your guys' DM, right? He is indeed. Yeah, he is yeah. the brains behind the entire operation, I have to say. Okay. He does the editing as well. He's oh. a very good <laughs> So he managed just... to get out of the hard work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he literally got everything. I just faff about. I just uh, pop the odd picture on Instagram and Ian does literally everything else. <laughs> mm, that is fair. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I thought what we do, um, because I'm I'm well aware that there will be people listening to this who know who pretty much all of you are anyway, but there are definitely people who won't. So, I mean, people know who Joe and I are if they're listening, unless they're new listeners. If not, hello, where have you been? Um, we might just like go around the... I was going to say circle, the virtual circle, uh, and introduce ourselves. But I want to know, seeing as it's D&D, a little bit about you and your characters. And I'm going to put Joe on the spot and he can be our example. So Joe, can you introduce yourself, please? Sure. Well, so as I say, my name's Joe. Look, I've been playing D&D with Ben now for an ungodly amount of time to be honest with you um still here though you know and uh, we got a nice little group sometimes i dm for ben he dms for me uh, we've got a few other people we're all quite uh, hardcore to be honest and quite method when it comes to dnd um to the fact that we made a podcast about it for some some reason but um, right now i'm playing a little rogue character called cowry he's a good bloke really he does have a twinge of madness he unfortunately had to roll on the madness table which was not ideal for him really but after a sort of a brush with death if you will he had his brain removed by a by a mind flayer uh, again it's surprisingly this has happened to me twice with two different characters i mean i don't know it feels targeted if i'm honest against me <laughs> at this point but I mean, because the odds of that, I don't know how often that happens to people, but apparently to me a lot. Um, but he's a he's a fun little guy. I like to put a little Kiwi accent on him. Uh, I'm sure I'm insulting many, many people from all over the world with my accents. But uh, he's I'd say he's the life and soul of the group, Ben. Wouldn't you agree? Well, I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I think, I think he's the glue that holds us together. All right? <laughs> That's definitely not the case. <laughs> if anything, he's the he's the thing making us fall apart. So yeah, I'm Ben, or I guess in this this week's episode, Ben number one. Sorry, mate, I'm going to take that. And that's fine. It's um, your podcast. You do you. <laughs> as Joe says, been playing together for a ridiculous amount of time, and uh, usually DM, but sometimes I am a player as well. I've got a character right now um, who is a an occultist. We're going to call him that. He he kind of likes the dark, scary magic. Joe likes to call him Anakin Skywalker. I like to call him Orlo. <laughs> um, and he uh, he gets some of Kauri quite quite well, to be fair. Um, let's well, well, well look look. Kauri oh. appreciates him because he just admits that he's evil. Okay, okay. we can we've gone I mean, over the pretense now. That's never he, happened. He's a bad guy. He's ne- we can accept mm, that he's a bad. Hasn't guy. Hasn't actually done anything that bad. Well, all right. Smoking gun. All right. Yep. He was shot once, actually. Um, let's <laughs> not. Ma- yeah, we're just going to glaze over that. Let's not make <laughs> yeah. it confusing and go Moving to uh, Ben straight away. Let's go to Hannah. 
Oh, lovely. Yeah, so I am Hannah, obviously, you just introduced me, um, and I play Nothing, who's a tiefling rogue uh, on Dragon Wings. Um, and despite our podcast being extremely silly, uh, all of us have got kind of quite, I'd say, like classically sort of dark and brooding D&D characters. Um, so yeah, she's um, she's called Nothing. No one ever gave her a name. She was brought up by an evil wizard. She escaped. She lived in a sewer. Now she sort of has gone to the... Avril Lavigne school of teen angst uh, and is just a bit annoyed at everyone all the time <laughs> um, uh, and just finds oh, the rest of the members of the group uh, really annoying at best uh, and gets sort of actively quite upset with them at worst uh, but yeah no she's a good fun character to play I've not actually played D&D for that long I guess she's only my second character um, but yeah I'm really having a good time kind of reveling in the kind of the classic tropes of the tiefling rogue I guess how do you get enrolled in the Avril, Avril Lavigne School of Angst because <laughs> I could do it's a, that. It's a heavy, it's a heavy selection process. A, a, a letter arrives like it does for Hogwarts sort of similarly, oh, but it's okay. delivered by a goth. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. All right. Um, Harry. Hiya. Um, yeah. So I'm also in this, in the, the Dragon Wings campaign uh, and I've been playing D&D now for um, about two years a bit more than two years uh, and I guess Jacob Jacob Marshall is probably my first kind of proper kind of campaign character I've ever had and he is a human paladin and uh, like Hannah says he also has a kind of like uh, typically kind of dark and brooding kind of backstory he is uh, or was formerly of kind of of a noble house but he was disinherited from his family's fortune by an evil older brother, and subsequently he fled to uh, to Westgate and became sort of you know on his wits. He kind of became a pit fighter, um, and he lived a kind of like dissolute life for a little bit, and that made him very unhappy. But he was a very good pit fighter, and then he basically found religion um, with Tyr, the god Tyr, and now he's a kind of aspirant uh, paladin, sort of working his way um, up through his religion. Um, and he's, um, I think, I think uh, probably, and Hannah, feel free to, you know, completely discriminate. I think <laughs> probably our group's kind of moral centre. Oh, I think probably, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Oh, makes, like, makes sense. Yeah. I'm loving that. I almost completely lack a moral centre, so you sort of have to do it for both of us, really. Um, yeah. But yeah, 100%. He's like, he's the good guy. The tank and the good guy. Uh, the yeah, tank that's... and the good guy. Yeah, he steers, he steers the group in that kind of, that kind of direction a bit. Um, and yeah, I mean, as, as I say, yeah, I've only been playing D&D for about two years and it was actually Ian, our DM, who kind of introduced me to it and it was, um, what's the sort of tabletop RPG equivalent of Love at First Sight? It was that, <laughs> it was Love at First Sight. Um, and I just, it, it was sort of, it was a perfect fit for me. It kind of, you know, fitted everything that I kind of enjoy in any kind of activity. Well, if I can if I can interject, I'm I'm interested here. How did Ian pitch it to you? Because I'm always yeah. curious how you sell D and D to someone. This is a big topic of conflict for us because oh, we we disagree on this all the time. So Ian recruited me as well, so um he's 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 got a good he's got a good record. <laughs> he's quite an evangelist, isn't he? He did that. Yeah. He did. He, I think he did the thing. I think he basically said to me. I think I can't remember exactly now, but he said in in so many words. I think you'll really like this. <laughs> and he was he was absolutely spot on. Is it that simple? 
he read me very well. I'm basically sort of quite a nerdy person anyway. Like, you know, I was quite into my kind of like my Warhammer and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think he could see that this was just a sort of branch on that route. You, you'd already had the gateway drug. Mm-hmm. He was exactly, just yeah. he was just exactly. introducing you to the heroin yeah. at that point. Yeah. 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 One taste of this. <laughs> I think hey, he recognised in me that I'm both a nerd and a terrible show off. So <laughs> it's like the absolute perfect combination in that regard. Yeah. And as we say, the the first hit is always free, and then you have to pay for it. So uh, that's, how, that's how I got Joe in. That's how you get addicted. Absolutely. I realise as well that what I've done here by picking this order of people is that I've given Joe someone that he'll get on really well with in the Paladin, and now I'm going to oh make God, Ben oh introduce no. himself, which is going to be the polar opposite. So, okay, no, no pressure, on, ben. ben. Let's get it out of the way, mate. Let's get it out of the right, way. Right. From, well, I'm going to start by saying my first character. Oh, I'm Ben, by the way, uh, from the Dice Dungeon, seller of D and D dice um, in the UK. Um, and so I want to start off by saying. My first character when I first started D&D was also a paladin. Mm-hmm. I started off on paladin. the right path. I actually, I actually played paladin to start with, but um, I found that uh, I really struggled with the RP aspects of a paladin. I don't know why. I just really, I found it hard to play this righteous, I'm going to do really good things, lawful guy, which I know you don't have to play paladin that way, but you know that's the classic. When I was, I was new to the game, I thought that's how you had to play paladin. Um, mm-hmm. So... It was, you know, it was kind of difficult. But now, um, in our campaign, there's actually only three of us in our campaign. There's only three of us that play. Um, and I am one of the players. Uh, and we play two characters each, which I think is quite interesting. That's pretty fun. A, yeah, it's, it's fun. It brings it, there, there are some challenges, but it, it generally works better than you'd think. Like the RPs, you can get around it quite easily. Um, he just talks yourself. Play, Pretty much, pretty much. I do that anyway. I do that anyway. I do that anyway. So yeah, yeah, it works fine. Um, I play a monk uh, called oh, Timus, which I know Joe's are gonna hate me for, but the monkeys, the monkeys, cool. Get over it. I like playing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going okay, in strong. Yeah. Conceptually, right? the monk is cool. I will agree. Conceptually, yes, you've got him in a good yeah. mood. There's only so many times you can slap something though. Yeah. He has a he has a magic item that um it's called the the headband of a thousand eyes, and nice. and he, he uses it on he, he puts it he covers over his eyes, and it allows him to see like like up to a mile away. Oh, um and like and like it's pretty cool, and uh, it also gives it's either that or he gets double advantage on initiate initiative checks. Joe, which I think what, is really, that is which nice. I really like good that. for a paladin. What I'm hearing here, Joe, uh, is that monk his even. his monk is um his monk is cool and fun to play because he's got a great magic item that was homebrewed. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Cool. Supplemented. Right. Harry. <laughs> hey. Hey. Yeah. Look, look. Let's let's give him a chance. Ben, what's your other character? My other character. Oh God, no. Uh, my other character is a sorcerer slash warlock. Oh, uh, never mind. Never mind. One level in one level in warlock. Um, I know, I know, I know. I really like the sorcerer. The sorcerer gets, the sorcerer gets a bad rap. And, I th- and when we come into talking about the, the the old homebrew home game rules, I think there's a couple of things in there that really helps the sorcerer. I think mm-hmm. that that, um, mm. that I think you'll, you know, it makes it it makes it super fun. I'll have to um, send yeah. you the uh, the old. Um, custom class for the sorcerer that we talked about a few weeks ago because I think you'd find that interesting All right. too. Yeah, 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 definitely send it. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds good. Um, so yeah, I've been playing D and D for 
Oh, I don't know how long now. I think it's been... How long have we been doing this campaign? I think three years. Three years this campaign. And I think the previous campaign, which kind of ended after level 10, was like maybe two years. Maybe, maybe about five years I've been playing. Long enough uh, to build an entire company revolved around it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. No, I... I uh, yeah, I do. I, I do love it. We we play. It's very rare we miss a week. We play every single week. Um, oh. Usually on a Thursday oh, or a Friday. That's something we it's could very, only dream very, of every week. Wow. It's, very, it's the advantage of only having three players. Yeah. How do you um, do but it? Our, but our DMs, our DM Callum, shout out to Callum, is is um is absolutely incredible. He's really good at um making sure he's ready for his campaign every week. Um, our doodle do poll makes me want to cry trying to get us locked together. Honestly, <laughs> we, we do. We do sometimes play. Uh, a campaign that Aaron would play, uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Yep. Which is something a little bit different where we don't... There's not so much RP and stuff in that. It's all about the combat and trying new characters out, and which is which is quite... Which is really fun as well. So we talk um, about... I think it is. Um, we talk about DMs being prepared and being ready. Joe, actually, we, we, we actually managed to play some D&D last weekend, believe it or not. I know. Oh, did you? Miracle. And... Uh, Joe's trying to, Carrie's trying to do a heist and he messaged me at half past two in the morning, I might add, after the session. He was just on my mind, to be honest. Yeah, he just couldn't sleep, could you? He, so he said, um, when something's on your mind, oh, you just need to tell you what it is. He didn't even say, you know, no, sorry for the late text, nothing like that. It was just, send me heist blueprint. <laughs> and I, I was like, okay, great. I looked at that in the morning. I was like, well, look, I've got to go to work. I'll, I'll think about that later. Turned out I hadn't drawn the fucker, had I? So uh, he got that yesterday at half past five. I like the lack nice. of punctuation as well. It's like, give me blueprint. <laughs> but it was late no. and it was on my mind and I thought, oh, I need that. Uh, so, yeah, just shot over, shot over the text. Well, I like to imagine, like, did you, were you dreaming about it or were you awake at that time in the morning? Did you wake Honestly, up and just well, think about it? Like, mate, this keeps happening to me, especially late at night. Like, uh, my sleep schedule's a bit fucked right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to bed late. But I literally got into bed la- late last night. I was sitting there trying to go to sleep and then I had a brainwave. I was like, oh my God. I thought, and it was so minor. It was like a single item that one of my NPCs could sell in the shop. I had to get up and write it down. Right. I had to get... I don't even turn my PC off now when I go to bed, just in case I come up with a uh, a D&D idea. It's a curse. What you're saying is that you... My my DMing is so good that you think about it as you fall asleep. (laughs) It gives gives me nightmares, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Fair enough. Well, I mean, that's a good segue, I suppose, because there are a lot of nightmarish DMing (laughs) stories. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fine. Um, We'll edit it. It'll be fine. It'll make sense later. Um, And there are lots of... I mean, we've talked about them extensively. We've talked about optional rules so much recently as well, Joe. But Mm -hmm. I want to talk about homebrew rules, especially with three other people here who play D&D as players and as DMs and what rules that they and the I mean I'm talking like you guys aren't here it's a bit weird what rules do you do you use and which ones do you like having as players and I know that Ben has already got like a whole list as well because he's uh he's, yeah, he's come asked, prepared I, yeah I had to ask my DM I asked Callum uh, the DM uh, I had to ask him how to check I like are these homebrew because I've been playing them for that long now it's like is this a homebrew rule it's like yeah oh okay yeah, you know, I mean, used to playing the rules so much. I've got quite a few in my game that I've forgotten whether they're mine or whether they were. Uh, yeah, exactly. In the book somewhere, because that's the thing as well. And like Joe and I were talking about even the spell point variant rules the other day that are hidden at the bottom of the DMG. I say the bottom, the back that's... of the DMG, and yeah. I I didn't even knew they existed until that's... quite recently. 
I was just about to say until I listened to the podcast about that, I did not know that was a thing. Mm. That was that was completely new to me. I have a copy of the DM's guide, and I've ne- I've never in my life seen or heard about that before. A new it, it DM, DM asked me. Uh, the other day, he he messaged me and he said, "Oh, I've got some spare cash. I want to get another D and D book. I want some stat blocks. Which which one should I get?" And it's like, "Should I get Mornkanes or Volos?" And we were talking about it. And then it, out of out of nowhere, he just went, "What about the DMG? I still haven't got that, and I've never read it. Do I need it?" And I was like, "Oh, how do I answer that?" <laughs> <laughs> it is criminally underread. Criminally underread. Yeah, I, I never I never read mine even for my game ever. It's very rare. I need to pull it out. Have you guys read the DMG? Mine, I've, I've got it. My mine's mine sits on a shelf, and occasionally I'll, I'll, I'll flick through it. Yep. Um, if I think Ooh, I need an idea for like a quick encounter, or um, you know, I need to quickly check um, how, how I should ask them to be spending their downtime or things like that. But probably not as much as I should be. Really, yeah, it probably gathers more dust than it should. I think the running joke on our podcast is. Um, and I, I must admit, it, it, it's the running joke because it's entirely true, is that I, I literally don't know any of the rules. <laughs> I'm just like, can I do this? I'm going to do this. Is that all right? Yeah. And it's always, yeah. I think there was there was one a few weeks ago where I sort of correctly added something to something else and everyone was like, oh my God, well done. You're so good. <laughs> Joe so, likes... Yeah. I mean, basically it's all homebrewed in my own head and I just hope that it's correct. Yeah. Joe <laughs> likes to bring up that I didn't actually know how to be a player until recently because I DM'd so much which isn't true I just forgot a few things because as a DM you don't some use some fundamentals them. some key fundamentals yeah, I might add you don't use them <laughs> as a DM like I don't have to track certain things as as the head of the table you know like tracking no, shouldn't true. have to Harry <laughs> would very much subscribe to that I've never seen that man write down what's in his bag oh god no, no. no. it's fine <laughs> I'm not a note taker I'm not a note taker it just doesn't come naturally to me I, I get told off. I, I get told off. I don't take notes. Hmm. It's all up here, mate. It's all up here. Yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you can't see, but I'm tapping my head. It's all up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an audio medium, but but I, I get I get the gesture. Um, we, yeah. we get that. We've got one um, proper note taker. James is our note taker in our group. But recently, I think it's like probably. I say recently, it was probably actually like six months ago. We had a session without him and everyone realized our last session. Yeah. Like no one knew <laughs> what was going on. They were like, what, um, like who are these people? What's our quest? What are we meant to be doing? Who are we going to go and talk to? It had been a week. I was like, come on guys. It's been a week. James can't be the only one who knows what's going on. in yeah, this James busts out the old whiteboard. Now one of our players has got a whiteboard. He's a teacher. He is a so, teacher. Naturally. <laughs> so occasionally we'll just bust out the whiteboard. And we'll have a little brainstorming session, figuring out, what the fuck is going on uh, and then you can just refer to that at a later date so it's fine we got it all figured out Ben and that we is, got it all figured out mate. to be fair that is a very good method for Dragon Heist when you're trying to work out you know when you've got four villains all going for the same goal but working in different ways having a whiteboard or if I mean the next level up would be to have a pin board with threads going from one side to the other if you had that like, I'd be impressed like that gif what was it from mm. is it from Always Sunny yeah, the, yeah. oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we've we've that been guy. there okay so I want to hear some of these homebrew rules then because I I mean I'd like to add to my little DM binder anyway so I'm going to steal from all of you so who wants to go first I'll let you volunteer I mean shall I go first so I've got them, got them written down Do it. got them okay right so some of these 
I think some of these are in the actual DM's, gu- uh, DM's guide, but some probably aren't. Flanking is, an, and I think that's in the DM's guide, right? Sorry, sorry, say yeah. say that word again, Ben. So, flanking? <laughs> How am I saying it? Really? Yeah, no, that's all right. It's just flank- oh, flanking. Yeah. Yes. Oh, flan- <laughs> just enjoy flanking. the accent, don't um, right, right. Thanks. Uh, no, it is in the DMG, yeah. Yeah, flanking. Yeah. We use flanking in now again, which we abuse, by the way. We abuse that. Especially because we have two characters each. We're like, yep, flanking. Nice one. Yeah, uh, yeah so that's really, nice. We, we, we really do abuse the flanking rule. But we'd build, it's, um, I think it, it allows for some good strategy in combat. Um, a little bit different. I don't know what you guys think about flank, the flanking rule. I imagine with you guys playing two characters each it can become quite cheesy because you can be like i'm gonna i move here and then i move here and oh look i'm flanking whereas you know like if you're playing with all one you know you're all you're playing like a more traditional group where you're all one player it's a bit more of a a teamwork kind of thing yeah that that, that's that's fair we we do it can become a little bit like that sometimes uh definitely yeah um so another one which we've got is uh, Callum allows us to drink a potion of healing or, or any sort of potion as a bonus action in combat. I like that. Yeah, I like because... that. If you haven't got a rogue in the party, I like that. For... Uh, no, we don't. See, this is this is quite a common one because this comes up all the time, um, and I've often brought it up to Joe, and your rep- your reply has always been where well, it kind of takes away from the rogue. But if you haven't got one, then who are you taking? Well, away from? it's like it's specific because. Like so, I'm I'm playing a rogue thief, so I've got the fast hands ability, which is basically like the the signature of that yeah. subclass. So I can do things as bonus action that I would normally have to take an action. So similarly, like use an object, drink a potion, whatever. So in that context, if you then brought in that home rule of like, okay, everyone can do that, I'd be like, well, great, <laughs> I'm yeah. not very special anymore. But in a game where that's not a problem like no one's playing that or focusing on that sort of subclass i quite like it because i find um potions are sort of criminally underused because the the cost of a whole action is is yeah. quite expensive mm. especially for what you get for a potion as well like you don't i know i think I, we have a thing in our game that we think that healing in general is quite weak in DMV. yeah it is really weak it, it, so it, it's good we yeah it, um we make it so that we have to Say I was giving another player a potion, that would be an action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if I was if I was drinking a potion for myself, that's that's a bonus action. That's how we rule it. Yeah, that's a nice compromise. I like that. Yeah, we're uh, we're uh, we like that one. Do I have another one? Oh, sure. Somebody else want to chip? Somebody else want to chip in? Well, I I just chip in and say that I in the campaign that I run with outside outside of Dragon Wings, I I use both those two. I'm definitely a fan of um, drinking a potion as a bonus action rather than a whole action, as you say, I think. Just because potions don't necessarily confer that much of an advantage. Yeah, not really, no. Exactly, it just makes it more... uh, They feel more practical, they feel more usable, if if that's the case. And and flanking too, I've got got a very, very... um, I've got a group who really, really like combat. I've got um, a monk and a barbarian who live... They live to flank stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Give me advantage. Um, so yeah, that's also absolutely integral to, to my campaign too. So with the yeah, um, then, that's good. With drinking as a bonus action, do you guys keep that as health potions only, or are you happy for that to be anything? Because I can imagine situations where you're in combat and you think, oh, I'm just going to chuck this potion of gi- hill giant strength as a bonus action, or, or this dragon breath potion. Um, 
I can't. Re- uh, to be honest, I can't recall a time where we've ever used another potion as a bonus action. Usually, stuff like that we tend to use like pre-combat if we, if we can, if it's possible. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we don't. We don't get that many because they're usually really, really expensive. And, was, <laughs> and we, we don't get we don't get excessive amounts of gold or platinum or whatever currency you, you use in your game. Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't. We we've, it's very much controlled of how much gold we have, so we can't just buy the world. You know, if, if that makes sense. So it, we we tend to not have. Um, you know, too many opportunities to actually use a, like a hill giant strength potion or what have you. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, in my campaign, actually, it's also similar in that my my lot haven't had many like, opportunities to have any like cool, crazy um, potions. Yeah, yet. I guess in the interest of consistency, the answer is yes. It would also have to be a bonus action, wouldn't it? Because I couldn't say, you know, no. That actually, that exactly. bottle is way heavier. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's got um, it's got like a medicine cap on it. You have to like it's a child lock. You have to really struggle to get it open. <laughs> oh, it's what it's like. It's like it's like trying to open a bottle of bleach. Yeah, or yeah. something. <laughs> God's <laughs> sake, yeah. It's like I'm an adult. Why can't I open this bottle? This Although is for children. I, I probably would allow you to drink a bottle of bleach as a bonus action. You know what I mean? At that point, that, why not? I, is that just because I play monk? Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> look, you know. Monks can do it. It's one of no their abilities. They can drink bleach as a bonus. Can I just as a monk? Sorry, can I just, uh, if dear listener, we we here at We Speak Common do not condone drinking bleach. Please <laughs> no. don't drink bleach. Of course, it's not delicious unless your DM allows it as a bonus. Action. Yeah, I mean, and then it's okay. <laughs> then it's okay. Oh God. Okay. Right. Even then, it's unwise. <laughs> yeah, we're. Okay, so what's what's next on your list? Okay, next on my list is we use the critical hit max damage rule. Okay, now I have I have mixed feelings about this one. I had a feeling this would come up. I used to run this back in the day with uh, sounds like I'm a bloody old fogey. I'm not. Um, I used to say if you get a crit, just either max damage then i went for a string where i was like oh it's more fun to roll roll your dice but double it now i do it as written where you roll double dice because now as i have grown over the years my idea of what is fun has changed and i think it's just fun to roll as many dice as possible but that's kind of i'm with you on that one uh, yeah that's where i fit with that i just think if i can pick up a big old handful i'd rather do that than just roll the normal amount and double it we still roll the dice okay then add 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 max damage on to it Oh, so you're you're not like so 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 for, so for example, say I rolled a say my uh, I rolled a uh, crit right. and it was a, a d8 plus five. Mm-hmm. So I'd get I'd roll the d8 and then I'd add eight to it. Okay, oh. okay. So you're really beefing up your crits then. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, I don't know why we actually use that rule, but we we we, we all like it. Uh, we, we, <laughs> no, we I think say, about it. I'm not sure. But... <laughs> yeah, we, we, See, Ben. I think it was originally brought in because it's like just kind of remove variance to remove, or remove some of the variance of like you get a crit but you roll a one. Yeah, so like you've done, you've got a, you've done a, this big critical hit but you've done two damage. Yeah, does that, does, that, does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you mean by that. Um, but at this point, you have to play a player paladin now because that would abuse the hell out of that. Oh, role. oh, oh a, my god! There is a there the Callum in my game that we play. Callum plays a paladin, a paladin sorcerer, and we oh, specifically and that and that rule is banned. The the, max, the, critical, <laughs> hit, the, critical, hit, the critical hit max damage we do not play in my game simply for that reason. Okay, so what you're saying is then that you're you're picking and choosing based on whether you're the DM or the player now. 
Absolutely. <laughs> so that's my absolutely. kind of rules. That so because I was going to say, how does that how does that scale with things like a barbarian's brutal critical? Dangerously, Ben. Uh, yeah, dangerously. I think we always have quite hard encounters anyway. Um, and like, for, for, for what I understand, when Callum's putting together a, an encounter, he always has like maximum hit points that it can have instead of rolling like I don't know twelve d ten or whatever. Mm. It would have it would just have maximum hit points. I think he sort of scales it that way. I, it, yeah. it works fine. We, we, we always tend to have we, we always have like well balanced encounters. It's never. Oh shit! We've just we've just one hit every, one hit in everything left, right, and center. I'll be honest. So. It's embarrassing how long it took me to realize that a, a monster's uh, hit points are an average and not a maximum. And I yeah. I still think that's something that a lot of people don't realize because I when, don't actually think it's written anywhere. Yeah, when when I, when I first started, I mean, I used to just roll. I used to do like the. The average, the average hit points, mm. and I found that I found that the encounters would they were just walking through my encounters really quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I, I, I even with even without that rule, I always use maximum hit points. I and it makes the encounters so much more balanced, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I have to because I've got Joe in my party, and he he oh. he builds mechanically. So it's a, it's well, a min max, a min max, is it? Well, even in my when the game I DM, I will generally, especially for sort of the centerpiece of my encounters so like you know the sort of mini boss or whatever uh, I'll I will generally sort of 1.5x the uh, the HP from whatever the average was so I won't necessarily always max it out but I'll definitely chuck a bit more on there cuz I find I always underestimate the amount of DPS my my players can actually put out um so that yeah that is something to be considered I mean I used to literally roll uh for all my uh monsters in my encounters their hp just okay he's got 10 d6 hp mm. then that's why i'm rolling and i was like this is insane why am i doing this this is taking like four hours to prep each encounter like why just rolling dice on your own yeah, yeah. literally I was like, i'm just playing D myself this is like this is insane so i uh, i knocked that on the head a little while ago <laughs> good decision i think you do you do play D on your own though you have admitted it before I literally have run encounters just on my own just to see what would happen before. Yeah. yeah. I, was like, <laughs> wow. I was like, what? I was like, wow, what would happen if like a, I'm like, what would happen if I like level my character up to 20 and then I put him against like an ancient red dragon? I'm just rolling. I was playing both. And I'm like, Phew, I live a sad life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm doing like, like an eccentric chess grandmaster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can I, Joe, did you also just say. 1.5x rather than I times it by one and a half. Yeah, that was cool. I didn't know that, but I did enjoy it. <laughs> just standard language, cool. Ben, isn't it? You know what I mean? Just to the point, you know? Yeah, all right. Have you got any more for us, Ben? Uh, I've got one more, which... I've actually got two more. I'll, uh, first one. Yep. Um, so we allow different, um, different skills to be used for different checks sometimes. So... The, the main one that springs to mind is uh, we have a... Dave plays a cleric in the party. He plays a dragonborn cleric and he's like seven foot tall and has a big massive armor. And uh, sometimes... It, so for like intimidation checks, we'll allow, we'll allow to use like strength, for instance, as a check because it's because of like... I like you that. Know, he's, he's picking him up and putting him up against a wall or something, something I don't know, strength-based. Mm. Which uh, we do with that on occasion. It's rare, but on occasion we do it if we, if we think it fits. Yeah, I think that's something 
I mean, skill checks in general, and I and this is one of the things where I don't know whether it's a rule or whether it's something I've just sort of yeah, I don't made know. up on the way. Like, I'm always kind of just like, oh, I guess that will be this check. Or well, te- you can technically do that. that's not a technically that's not actually a home rule. That is in the book. Yeah. The oh, the, is it? Yeah. The the stat that you put with each skill, like on your um, character sheet, is just a suggestion. Uh, and it's right. almost always the correct suggestion. Like, okay, I'm probably going to use dexterity with slight of hand or whatever, right? But yeah. um, it's you don't have to. And they do actually recommend there's somewhere in the DMG it does say about that specific scenario where if you've got a big, strong barbarian but with no charisma, uh, it's going to sort of be non-congruent if they're failing all their intimidation checks. So exactly. you should maybe change it to strength based on the scenario. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah. And you have really weird scenarios where it might be like a say it's a stealth check but you're in the i don't know astral plane or whatever so you're moving around with intelligence instead of using decks maybe you would then use intelligence for that stealth check or whatever Mm. so on those like weird off the wall uh scenarios that is sort of yeah kind of by rules is written legal but yeah no that's nice because i i hate it when just the dice just don't really line up with what should it's, happen. It just wouldn't make sense. Like it, it, you've got your big seven foot guy. He's picking up a four foot. I don't know gnome or something. Can gnomes even be four feet? Anyway, <laughs> uh, picks up picks up a, like a four foot character and by the scruff of his neck. That's got to be intimidating, right? Even if he's got no charisma or not. I've just so, um, I've just remembered something as well that I've got to tell Joe because I need to know what his his opinion of this is. Um, speaking of gnomes and the fact that you mentioned that you've had your brain sucked out on multiple occasions mm-hmm. um, yep. in the stat blocks for uh, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden there is a very cute looking gnome ceramorphosis illithid and it is the cutest thing I've ever seen <laughs> I mean, you know I don't want to play it now you know you just that one sentence has put me off completely. I have no Adorable, idea. Not interested. Like I don't know where that comes up in the story. Not like not. I didn't even know there were mind flares in Icewind Dale, but apparently there are, and they're <laughs> fucking cute. Well, they're everywhere. <laughs> they go wherever I play. It seems, Ben. You know, you tell me, mate. I thought. You, I thought you, I had an image in my head then of you were going to start talking about feet again, like you did like a few episodes ago. Oh, oh yeah. No, I was like, oh god, not this again. Look. Um, Hannah, I feel like we need to explain Harry, this now. Yeah, we, we need can't to just leave that <laughs> yeah, pregnant sorry. pause there. We um we we realised uh, live on on recording that, that that's an oxymoron. Uh, we realised while recording that we here at We Speak Common are feet men, and that's okay. <laughs> what we mean by that? What we mean by that? Yeah, I was going to say, please expand. <laughs> apparently, some people when they imagine tieflings or draw them or whatever, right? Sometimes they give them feet. Sometimes they give them hooves because they're like little devil creatures, right? Yes. The hoof thing really freaks me out, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. So I was like, no, they should definitely have feet. And, and I, that's the agreement we came to. I did some research and the the jury is still kind of out, but it seems that the, the majority is with feet. However, somewhere in the Sword Coast Adventures Guide, remember that, the really thin book that no one ever uses? Um, there's a there's a tiefling in there with hooves, and because that book isn't used often, uh, I say it's redundant, we just ignore it. We're feet men. <laughs> what we really need to do is, Hannah, does your tiefling have man. feet? Allow me to join your ranks. Okay, good. <laughs> the welcome to the rank yeah. of, of a man that, that likes feet. Did you did you say you were playing a tiefling? 
I am indeed. Okay, so are you are you a, a foot woman or a, or a hoof woman? This is. So I would weird. say I'm a foot woman. Okay, good. Because I agree with you. I find the the hoof idea unsettling, mm. and also ah. who who only walks on two legs walks on hooves. You would fall over all the fucking I know, time. Your centre of balance would be terrible. <laughs> it would yeah. be absolutely. It would defeat the entire point of having hooves. So no, no she's all about the feet. I mean, look, she's got a tail as well. I can. I can. Just you know, I can extend my disbelief with magic and dragons and <laughs> and mind flayers, but people walking on hooves is just a step too far. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. It completely takes me out of the adventure, and I'm not interested. <laughs> Honestly, well, look, I'm glad that we all we all love f- feet. <laughs> uh, nice <laughs> on our tieflings. Yes, I yes. heart feet. Yes. Oh, that should <laughs> we should do some merchandise. Um, Ben, you had no, you, loving feet, Dice. <laughs> you uh, you had you ask. one more for us, didn't you? Yes, I've got one more. And I talked at the beginning about um, sorcerer specific. This is a sorcerer specific one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Callum allows me to swap my sorcerer meta magic every time I level up, which like makes that. which makes it really well, which makes it really fun. Hang on, so let's try out different different what's sorcerer meta magic. The rule as written. The rule as written, I believe. You just get oh, what you get. You, you just get what you just get what you get when you pick. I, I'm allowed to swap out um, a spell. A spell. Mm-hmm. I think I get one spell. Is it in a cantrip as well? Maybe. I can't remember. I'm definitely allowed to swap out a sp- at least one spell every level. Cantrips you don't but, usually swap once you've picked them. You've picked them, so that right, might be another. Okay. That, homebrew. That, okay. Yeah, I don't think I swap cantrips anyway. But um, yeah, but um, I don't know what the rule is on. I think that's a homebrew rule. I'm pretty sure. I think you just get what you're given. Well, I. So. Definitely agree with that then, because I thought they were more like warlock invocations where you could swap them when you leveled, and that's what intrigued me about the um, sorcerer in general. Even though Joe was trying to put me off it, so uh, yeah, I like that one a lot. Yeah, see, it's we'll, we'll, we'll... Uh, it, it's good because, for, for instance, in, in our campaign, by the way, the overarching world is that magic is banned completely. Ooh. It's completely banned on by. There's only certain people that are allowed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to use the. I wouldn't in a regular campaign. I would never use subtle spell, which is one of the meta magics. Um, but I use it all the time in this campaign. Mm. Um, so I haven't been able to swap out from them. The, the other one um, is really handy. Yeah, it's really good. I like that. Uh, I, I mean, I would go even one, if I was going to have someone play a sorcerer in my game. I would probably go even one step further and let them swap them out on like a long rest or something like that. I don't think it's particularly game breaking, and the sorcerer really needs oh, flexibility. It's supposed to be what it's all about, mm. but it kind of lacks flexibility at the minute. I think interesting for, I, compared I like to a that wizard. Idea. So I, I, I'd, I'd let them change it every long rest because none of them are particularly game breaking in, in any way to me and just being able to cater them for whatever specific task you're doing I don't think it's yeah. going to give you too much of an edge hmm. I like that idea that, I like that idea um, that flexibility thing is the reason and we've talked about it before but that's the reason we liked that sorcerer rebuild that uses the the spell point variant rule um, and they the person who made that class went out and made a whole bunch of extra magic options oh, as well really? so yeah oh, wow. i'll have to i'll have to send you that it's it's worth a, a good yes, read please. but i think out of all of them that one might be the the easiest one for me to agree with like hands down yeah i think you've like touched on probably a good thing about the rule side of stuff there as well and i know for every opinion on D, there's 25 more <laughs> but like i think personally oh, yeah. as long as it's not like game breaking like does it really matter i think like in the end 
you're like playing it to have a good time and you're playing it to make something interesting. Mm. And like you're saying, especially if the the mechanic as designed is a little bit inflexible or actually you can kind of see, you know, something that you think will work better. I think as long as a group's in agreement, like it's more fun mm. that way, right? Isn't it? If, if you're having fun, that's all that matters. That's why the monk is a great character. <laughs> Stop it with the monk, man. Sorry, no, <laughs> hang on. You missed a bit. If you're having fun and your tiefling have feet, that's all that matters. <laughs> oh, oh, that too, that too. Um, I think... Yeah, I mean, we're 100% right, Hannah, but there is absolutely definitely people out there who are like, oh, no, oh, you're, you're not doing it right. See, I'm kind of like one of those people, but not uh, not to that degree. But well, I am I am like, well, why would I buy the book if I'm not going to use the rules in the book? <laughs> I mean, you, know. <laughs> you, you do have this thing where you um, you like you want to have rules for everything. I do get that about you. Look, it's just going to be anarchy out there, otherwise, okay? Yeah. It's just going to be a load of idiots rolling dice if we're not careful. (laughs) There's that thing as well where it's like, oh, okay, so it's UA, so I can use it if I want to. But then as soon as it's in a book, you go, oh, shit, I guess I have to use this rule now because it's been published. Yeah, yep, that's it. Yeah, so it's it's legit. You know, they've given it the seal of approval, Ben. So that's just how my brain works. We usually don't allow UA unless it's in our campaign, unless it's very specific, like the... We've checked it and we definitely think it's going to be fine. Yeah, I learned that we the don't hard way. To build, we don't just allow anyone to build characters with UA rules, generally. No, yeah, don't do not do that. Don't ever do that. It will it will ruin your campaign that you spent years writing. <laughs> um, <laughs> fucking mystic. Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. I, have, I have nightmares about the mystic. And every time I see someone bring up the mystic class or bring up psychonics, I, I genuinely have a stroke. I mean, I, normally I'd say Ben's being hyperbolic here, but he's actually not. The, the Mystic literally just did have an answer to every problem. Like, it, yeah. to the point where it's like, Ben's like, okay, well, you get to zero hit points. The Mystic's like, yeah, but I've got this ability where I just can't die. And he's just like, okay, I guess then. <laughs> like, Fair enough. It, like, show me that in the book. Yeah, it, it became, well, no, that's the thing. The Mystic has a fucking book. It's like 30 pages long, There's... so we couldn't even check it. We just had to agree with him. We're like, okay, we trust you. Yeah, if we sat down and tried to work out what they were doing right and wrong at the game, we'd never play because they they pop this old tome down on the table and we just sort of, I mean, I'd, I'd cry. Um, yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, don't, don't let the Mystic into your into your campaigns that's probably the 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 best rule i can i can give you today yeah <laughs> um i want to go on to uh harry and or hannah whoever wants to go first but before we do um we usually like to about halfway through talk about our sponsor but it seems a bit weird to brown knows you when you're here ben so do you want to tell us about um, that's fine i mean you can if you want no, okay, to do you want to tell us a bit about uh dice dungeon uk yourself because I mean, you're the most qualified person to do it, and this, sure. th- you might not I'm be invited back. That so that's that's what we have you guys for to, uh, <laughs> to tell everyone how good Dice Dungeon is. Um, no, but um, we are a UK seller of D and D dice. Um, we started out with metal dice, um, but we now have moved into some other things. We've got some resin sets in there, and some uh, really fancy nebula acrylic sets, which are really nice, by the way. Um, yeah. Uh, 
I don't know what to say. I'm a rubbish salesman. I don't do this. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. We, 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 well, sell, we sell dice. I'm... We sell dice. You can buy them and use WeSpeak Common at checkout for 10% off. Or Dragon Wings at 10% off checkout. Oh, wait. Can I say that on here? Yeah, you know. can say that. I'm that's sorry fine. If that's, I'm sorry if that's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry if I've just broken that rule, but there we go. <laughs> I like I like putting people on the spot and watching them squirm. So thank you. That was a lot of fun for me. Um... <laughs> oh, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do it. I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but now you um, know how difficult our job is and you will um you will name a dice definitely. after us because of all the hard work we've done. We've already given you a description of a full description of I want, you're, I want you're, more. Ca- your characters are on our website. I want more, all right? Okay. <laughs> I just I've 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 had a taste of power and I oh, need more. Well, this this oh, is God. a sort of egomaniac after work with on the daily, mm. you know. It's just, uh... Yeah, they are really nice, by the way. The Coriol set is, I think, one of my my absolute favourites. The Arcane Prison sets in general are up there with some of my favourite dice I've ever seen. I um, actually, they're, they're, they're really, really nice. I managed. I'm not just saying that because I sell them. <laughs> I mean, you are, but you also do agree with it. <laughs> but I, I managed to actually find some time to pull my camera out and take some photos of them today, and. Um, well, I mean, Joe, this is your first time seeing them, like, f- photographed by me, and you, you like you like my photography, so you, you haven't had them in your hands yet. Do you think they're as pretty as I said they were? Well, I think so, Ben, yeah. No, that, I mean, as you know, Ben, I, I basically... My D&D equipment, if you will, uh, I spend very little time on and or care very little about, as you can tell by my uh, sort of six-month-old coffee-stained, tea-stained oh, character oh sheet God. that I've yet to reprint because why waste perfectly good paper? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it comes to dice, it is nice when you're rolling those crits to have something a bit special in your hand, mm. you know? Um, and I, I won't lie, I can't lie to the build quality. Dice Dungeon Dice have literally drawn blood for me. Them good fours, <laughs> they are shot. Have they, have they actually? Yeah. I pricked my finger on the D4, wow. not going to lie. We've uh, taken so a trunk out of a table with ours. So. Please don't, su- please don't sue us. <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness, if you need, um, if you needed a an improvised weapon, grabbing a handful of those D4s would work better than probably anything else in my room. So, like cow trops, you could just yeah, roll them yeah. across the road, mate. You're going to get burst tires all day long. Oh, one hundred percent. Pop them in a sock, yeah. swing them around your head. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> oh, good old yeah. sock bludgeoner. Yeah. <laughs> what is that called? Yeah, that has roll. an actual name. They're multi-purpose, you see. They they serve many, many roles. Literally. Yeah, make sure you use dice trays, guys. In all seriousness. Please use dice trays. Don't damage your tables, because that's the, that's the one negative uh, of them. They... Uh, they could do some serious damage ben, to tables. You're not you meant to talk your... about the negatives of your oh, product. I'm being honest. <laughs> that is endearing. I'm being honest. Um, but yeah, they are they are really nice, and uh, um, I'm glad you've seen how difficult it is to uh, to talk about it, Ben. Now you know. Now you yeah. know you need to reward us with more yeah, with rubbish. more named dice. Okay. I should I should have prepared something, shouldn't I? Really? <laughs> no, it's cool. I like it. I like the candidness of it. Okay, um, Hannah or Harry, who wants to go first? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. I don't mind. Um, so, well, actually, firstly, yeah, and I'll just say quickly about those about those those dice. Um, I got a set for my birthday, and they are they are lovely. They are really really nice dice, and yeah, the build oh, quality is is, um, is superb. I was dead chuffed. What set did you uh, go for? Oh, now you put me on the spot. I can't remember the exact name. They are um, sort of multicolored, sort of green and bluey color on the on the face. Uh, green and blue. Pen's saying that. That's that's Google's, not us. Google's my website. Green and blue. 
Ben's thinking that might be the other Dice website on the internet. Is that the one we've got the lovely bucolic photo of you in the um, yeah, field with them? Ones, yeah. I, generally do, I generally don't know which set you're talking about. <laughs> I'm just looking at the website I'll, now. I'll, 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 I'll check on the colour, but yeah, they're really, really nice. Um, Good. I'm glad they're really nice. That's that's one thing. Frozen yeah. shadows, maybe she says, leafing through the. See that? See they're blue and they're blue and purple. Mm, okay. Really Who knows? Who knows? Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So as far as, as far as like homebrew type stuff goes, um, definitely. So that, yeah. So definitely the the flanking and the and the potion drinking. Um, I've also I've decided so I haven't actually. Okay, so this. Um, so quick proviso, I haven't actually started doing this, but one of my players has recommended to me a system called Popcorn Initiative. Oh. Have you guys heard of this? Oh, no. Popcorn no, no. Initiative. So the, the idea is that unlike you know, your traditional initiative tracking where everyone rolls and you therefore have a set order, everyone rolls once and the person with the highest roll goes first. And then after that, that person will nominate the next person to go. And then that person will nominate who goes after them and so on. So it's a system whereby there is no set order every round. It varies from round to round to round depending on who gets nominated. Okay. The DM has um, one, I think the DM has like a steal, so like an initiative steal for every um, NPC monster or whatever in the fight. But otherwise... Yeah, it goes in the order that people nominate themselves to go in. And then the person at the bottom of the order is then also the, the, the person to go first in the next round. Switch. It sounds like it sounds interesting to me. Like the idea being that like it makes people more attentive and it can make fights more tactical. It does, I think, favour the players a bit more. Um but that's I mean the the idea is that the DM can steal the initiative at certain points to kind of bounce out a little bit. I thought I might um I might experiment with that. That's, that's interesting. I really I'm I'm actually quite intrigued by that. So we've used um a while ago there was a UA for um something they called the Greyhawk Initiative, which um we've talked about a long time ago and it's a kind of a similar system but just a bit more convoluted as most unf arcanas tend to be, where each um each round Basically, when you want to do an action, that action has a specific dice to it. So moving would be maybe a D10 and um, a melee attack would be a D4. To cast a spell would be a D12. So you'd say each round, okay, I want to move, cast a spell and um, drink a potion. And you'd roll one of each die relevant to that action. And then your number is where you are in the order. So it's, um, it, it takes more brain power, is what we found. That, that um, does sound pretty complicated. Um, I used it for um, a one-on-one duel. So Joe's paladin was sort of in a trial by combat sort of situation. And to make it more suspenseful and to make it a bit more life or death, because it was a one-on-one combat and it was kind of like whoever goes first gets the upper hand, I had 
this champion and he used this system and I think I mean Joe you can you can speak for yourself as the player but I think it worked quite well as a group I don't know if it would work well and I think my kind of stance on it is that I will only ever pull it out if there's a special reason to like maybe it's a big boss fight or maybe there's something maybe you're in a weird like maybe you're in the astral sea or something and you're fighting something that might cause a difference I that's when I bring it out but it sounds kind of similar to that just with more rules yeah i found i found it, it worked quite well for that engagement and my paladin would have actually died if not for that uh, initial system <laughs> um so it, it worked more in his favor in that regard but yeah i mean i like these initiative systems but i find that i like to build characters and whatnot sort of a revolving around initiative like if i build a wizard i always want to give them alert so they can go first in the initiative and things like that and then obviously when you have sort of custom initiative rules they don't always incorporate those sort of character bonuses mm. in those mm. um so I, I want some sort of implementation there say if like a character has alert or whatever or just a high uh, initiative score but um other than that I, i'm quite all for it in certain engagements it certainly made that fight that i had uh, feel quite different I... I love that you think about that when making a character i'm like oh, they look nice in a hat Oh no, Joe is Joe is like beyond. He thinks about every single aspect, and and he will. Well, you gotta do these things. Uh, yeah, but I mean, do you really? Do you really though? <laughs> because Tom in our party is quite like that. He likes you know the stats and the figures and all that kind of stuff. Like I'm, uh, I'm on the opposite end. I'm always like build badly, deliberately. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. bit of flavour. Get that in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always think. So, so that would just kill me. That would absolutely. I just. I can't be dealing with that. Go away, come back with a real character, all right? Okay. See, I always think a class with one negative stat makes it so much more fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is true. One, one, only one, but one negative class. Uh, One negative stat. Sorry. Actually, that that actually makes me think of something else, which is so. So I'm running my my first campaign, and I have been doing for a few months now. And God love them. I let my my players um, roll for their stats. Oh god! Oh no! Oh yeah! Oh no! Um, <laughs> yeah. So I've I've got two two of my two of my players have are basically flawless, um, which is kind of it. I've got a barbarian who is really strong, has high constitution, but is also very clever. And like, <laughs> You know, like obviously, you know, it's we don't we don't deal in stereotypes all the time. Like, of course, you have a clever barbarian, blah blah blah. But like, it it is it feels like, like it's you know, those flaws are interesting, aren't they? The idea that your character is yeah, yeah. Like again, it's such, like you're saying, it's such a classic, isn't it? Having a stupid barbarian. But in our campaign game, my barbarian is very strong and very thick. Um, and we had uh, we sort of happened upon this sort of um, village that had this kind of um, martial sort of training camp. Uh, and there was this sort of haggard um, old elf that looked like it had been in sort of hundreds of battles. And if you fought him and won, then you won this kind of enchanted armour. Um, and it was really fun playing a really thick character. Went, all right, then I'm in <laughs> without in any way, shape or form thinking <laughs> at any point. And you kind of wouldn't have got that if if it, she was good at everything, because that would have been, you know, there'd be a whole thought process there where she was like, nice armour. Let's go. <laughs> so there's something fun. <laughs> there's something fun about like kind of d- 
do something, think later, or having someone that's got like a real weakness to play up to. And I appreciate everyone plays the game differently and, and people enjoy different things. But for me, I do quite like that element of stuff that it, it yeah, brings definitely. into kind of the RP thing. We've I love the I love that. I love the like having one like I say, I love having one um stat that's negative. Just for me it makes it so much more fun, personally. We've got um are so interesting, aren't they? Because you're limited in some respects. So that, that actually does give the whole game more texture and you know just more interesting. And also it encourages more teamwork, doesn't it? If there are so our our druid is uh, the most. Uh, I mean, the druids are a wisdom based class anyway, but he's so uh, insightful and perceptive in that sense. But then he can't read or write, and he's hmm. literally the. He is the glue <laughs> that brings us together and holds us together. He is like he is the true uh, moral compass because he is so innocent, and you can't yeah. you can't hate him at all. But we, uh, yeah, we, we have a coach like that in our game. We wanted him to. The player wanted him to be able to learn because he was. He was like, I love. He was at first. Was like, oh, I love being silly. I love being stupid. It's great. And then he was like, Okay, now we're into the point of the game where we're trying to put pieces of this puzzle together, and I can't help. Um, what can I do? And yeah. luckily, they're. I mean, they're playing Dragon Heist, so they're living in the city, and it's like, well, there's literally a school on your street. Like, if you want to go learn to read and write. Uh, let, Go wild. let's do it and he has and i think in that sense like having i wouldn't i don't mind that eventually he could end up having these flawless stats because it's literally gonna take him time and he's gonna work for it yeah bless mm. him brom is such a no. such an angel <laughs> no. he is to be fair and he's the, the player's so good at in sort of interpreting those stats and really playing up to them in the gameplay in that his intelligence is really poor, uh, but he's very... I, I, I think he's got a very strong emotional intelligence, uh, which sort of plays to his high wisdom score. And he, he always says the most profound, wise shit imaginable, <laughs> whilst also being a moron. So it's yeah. like he, he really yeah. does play to that character well. Yeah. Perceptive, but a bit thick yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he is. Uh, he's he's a good egg, is Abram. Very good egg. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, did you have any others, Harry? Yeah, no, not really. That's that's me. I think I, I'm just I'm curious about how this popcorn initiative thing's going to work. I'm going to give it a go, and we'll yeah, you know, I'm going to road test it. You'll have to let us know. I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, me too. Me too. So a bit, it's, it's had good reviews from at least one member of my party. So. We'll give it a go. We'll see how it goes. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. My only thoughts is I think it might end up being a headache for the DM, but I guess mm. you'll learn that the hard way if it is. <laughs> <laughs> the, the idea, I mean, part of the idea that, that it's supposed to make it kind of attractive is that it's it's kind of not, right? Because, like, it means you don't have the track initiative. Like, it, it means that, you know, the job is done for you. All you've got to track is, that, is, with, is whether everyone's gone over the course of one round. Mm. Once that's done... You're and then you've got to decide... But then you've got to decide when you are going to go. Say you've got you've got four NPCs you're fighting against four creatures. Mm. You've got to decide when each one of those creatures has got to go. That's true. Yeah, yeah. You might have to you might have to jump in and take and, and steal the initiative, or optionally, the the party. I mean, it's it's possible that a player character might nominate a monster to go next if they think that like it's somehow in their interest that mm. monster to go. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be a um, 
Baptism of fire. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good way of describing it. I think baptism of fire. Okay. <laughs> God. All right, Hannah. We've left the best to last. It would seem. Oh, absolutely. The the absolute rules lawyer amongst us, me, aka. <laughs> um, yeah, I was saying in terms of like our games, you know, I is gonky, isn't it? We're definitely more on the rule of cool end of things, mm. I think. Um, whilst not being totally ridiculous, we don't like ignore everything, but we're probably a bit more on that end of things. But um, I think something that like Ian has brought over from like 4E is the kind of the bloodied side of thing in combat, mm-hmm. which obviously doesn't exist in 5E in the same way, but we actually, I find it as a player, like kind of really helpful in combat and I think it adds a bit of flavour as well as being kind of like mechanically quite useful. So yeah, that's still very much used um, in our camp. Is that um, a, do you use a straight translation from 4th edition or have you got your own little rule set around it? So I think, because uh, I've never played 4E, so I've only ever played 5th yeah. edition. Okay. I'm probably Same. even slightly even newer to it than Harry, but effectively it's when, you know, you're, you're kind of hanging around the half HP mark. Um, and I find it kind of, I don't know, just from a player's perspective, I find it quite useful in terms of it gives you a bit more of an idea kind of about what's going on in battle. And I think it's, well, obviously we're never aiming for realism in D&D, but <laughs> in a sense that there is like a realism element to it that actually like if you were fighting someone, they wouldn't go from looking fine to being dead. Yeah. So mm. it, it helps and kind of like a from a sort of maybe a bit more of a tactical perspective as well. Uh, and certainly, yeah, it's a rule that I really enjoy playing. And I think I'm really glad we've kind of carried that one mm. over. I quite like it. To be honest, uh, I was just going to say because I like I always imagine that like when you get hit in D and D and whatnot, it's not like you're necessarily getting hit, but you're sort of your lucky chances are getting worn away because mm-hmm. um, obviously you know in real life you get stabbed once you're kind of out of the fight that's mm. you're done at that point. Yeah. But I like the fact that once you get here, you get to sort of half HP. That's when you actually start taking like real hits. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you start getting properly damaged, and it sort of brings a, a bit of gravitas to it. So it's quite nice. I like that. One switch that I made in my DMing was the way that I described how hits and misses looked. So, um, and it, I think it was a bit of a mind fuck for the players when I I would describe a hit as a miss. Like I would describe, mm. like, oh, you've hit them. You're right. You've hit their armor class. You've you've taken some of their HP off. But I describe, you know, the warhammer coming down on their shield and them grunting underneath the force not you know yeah. it's not really a hit but it is a hit or you know you you fire off some arrows and one of them goes just past his shoulder and like you can see that he's shocked like you haven't hit him but you've still taken x amount of hp off because i mean you hit him with an arrow in the face and he's he's a gunner yes well exactly yeah see we kind of go the other way with that whereby if i hit something with a hammer or with anything with a, a sword or anything say they're wearing armor if it's missed, it might have still hit, mm. but not, but not pierced the armor. Yeah, so like yeah, taking the trunk out, scratch the plate. So to, yeah, you scratch the plate, but it doesn't, it doesn't do any damage. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. like, sometimes you're like you're five feet away. How are like, how are you? There's certain situations where somebody's prone or something, and it's like, how is that possible for a person to miss there? Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. There's, there's yeah. Certain scenarios where it, where it, it seems impossible for something to miss, so it's usually oh, it hits, but not enough to do damage kind of thing. Yeah. And it's the same thing if like hand to hand combat would be fucking terrifying, wouldn't it? It's it's the sort of thing if someone if a arrow whistles past your ear, you know, that that's going to frighten you, that's going to, you know, make you slow, yeah. that's going to kind of frighten you. That you can see how that would take points off of you even if it's not actually hit you. So, you know, yeah. I think that's that's like really good from that perspective. And you've got to circumvent the problem of 
how to describe someone getting hit by, you know, a double-headed great axe and it, it somehow not instantly killing them. You hit and you've done like 12 points of damage, but also it's, it sort of cleaves into his side, but he's also fine. Um, and yeah. he'll keep fighting you. Look, I'll have you know, I've been hit with many a great axe in the past, and honestly, it's just like a graze, you know? You just scrape <laughs> it off. It's not a problem. It is a, a flesh wound, yeah. Shrug it off. Yeah, It's fine, it's fine. You're like the, like the guy from um, uh, The Knight. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just a flesh wound. Yeah, it's a flesh wound. <laughs> it's just nearly headless Nick, the whole thing. Like, oh, you've kind of yeah. taken his head off, but not completely, so he's all right. Yeah. Hang on by a thread, you're fine. Yeah, it's like the end of Highlander. <laughs> I mean, they brought that film back four times on that kind of gimmick alone. You know, oh yeah, you cut his head off, but not completely, so he's still alive. Yeah, we're good. We're good. It's fine. Oh man. Um, um, go ahead. As far as the homebrew element of our campaign goes, there is the giant chicken with its. Oh um, yeah. With its wings, so, get, so can you um, just explain the giant chicken for our listeners who who haven't experienced this yet? Well, that's I mean that the fact the giant chicken is pretty much I mean that's that's done a lot of the explanation for me. Really. Yeah, so it's a giant chicken um, that we as a party um, find ourselves in charge of. Sort of inherit it. Yeah, we inherit it exactly. We inherit it. Um, under strange circumstances, and we are its custodians, we're looking after it. It turns out, you know, no spoilers here, it turns out there may be other um, forces in the world who also want to get this giant chicken. And um, it has the remarkable trademark, remarkable characteristic that whenever anyone rolls a critical failure or a critical success, um, its wings pop off. Um, and are immediately replaced by a new set of wings that magically appear. But these wings have certain magical benefits that when, when eaten, um, yeah, they are conferred to the eater. Um, yes. Which... And they're cooked as well. So they fall off, you know, they, they fall off and they're instantly cooked and delicious. Yeah. Oh, they like, do they like sizzle up on the floor there and yes. then? Absolutely. Nice. Well, if they hit the floor, they, they stop existing. But we've got a little saddle wag. as you you do just standard yeah but i like to try and imagine how this idea came about and how it was pitched to you guys so that's the funny thing is that ian kind of dreamed it up um so he's our dm for our other campaign as well and and kind of the suggestion was oh you know about doing a podcast and stuff we all thought it'd be really fun and he didn't really explain very much to us before we did it so we all went away and wrote our characters and like i was saying at the beginning like like all of our characters possess some like real great kind of slightly grim dark dnd tropes Mm -hmm. you know about like the retired pit fighter and the unloved tiefling and we've got a warlock who was kind of a detective and his daughter was stolen and his wife was murdered all that and then we we sit do sit around the table and he's like so it's about a giant chicken uh, <laughs> so it's kind of got this juxtaposition of us uh, it, it being deliberately silly and comedic and we've kind of got quite short episodes and it's kind of how we like to play dnd it's it's kind of it's- that kind of fun side of things but at the same time also, the character's taking it quite seriously, so it's, which is part so, of where the comedy sort of arises from. That you've got this like edgy 
edgy rogue that will do anything to keep hold of this gigantic enchanted chicken. <laughs> it's so dumb, but so, so genius at the same time. Like, oh, it's, a, it's incredible. Mm. Um, uh, the concept, if that makes sense. Uh, it's, it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre, but so incredibly well thought out and planned. It's wait, so, amazing. I love so it. So what, what magical benefits do the wings confer upon consumption? So depends on how long you're listening for, but each basically we're we're on a quest to find the perfect spice rub for said wings, and each <laughs> right, spice okay. rub ingredient confers a different benefit. How you know? So how have you not opened a medieval Nando's yet? <laughs> I think it's basically game. medieval I think Nando's. That's how the yeah. campaign will end. Frankly, I think I think it's basically will end with us four riding off into the sunset, setting up a franchise of. Yeah. Shops. Yeah, franchising. Le- level 20 godlike Nando's. Yeah. All across the room. I mean it doesn't have to be Nando. It could be it could be medieval KFC if you wanted. It's just the first one that came to my mind. I think it's more along those lines. Yeah, I was yeah, it's sort of more it's very wing based, very wing based. Yeah. I mean, I'm, go- I'm going to be honest. When you said, look, you know, the giant chicken's done a lot of the explaining for me, I can tell you it didn't. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, now I, now I understand. I, I'm curious, do, I, do any of the characters sort of get like chicken fatigue where they're like, you know what, I just can't, not another wing. <laughs> I, you know, I, mean, I can't. At what point do the characters decide they've had enough chicken and they just go vegan? <laughs> We're 32 episodes in and I think well, the only things my character has eaten is chicken wings and a pine cone. That can't be good for you. <laughs> No, it's not. It's not the, the chicken there. Yeah, we should we should probably start our peeing actually. Yeah, yeah. chicken for tea. It did. It did breed sort of a. It's not exactly a house rule as such, but um. So because these chicken wings sort of confer an advantage, and the more things that make it into the spice mix, the more advantageous they are. Of course. Um. So uh, basically, we've got a really weedy party, uh, except Harry's character. So the rest of us have all got minus one strength, except Harry, who is like an absolute beast. So we sort of got wise to that relatively recently and started sort of feeding Harry chicken wings in the heat of battle. Um, <laughs> to the point that what Ian had to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're going we're gonna to have to start doing some things like dex checks and stuff to see if you actually get the wing into his mouth, because oh. <laughs> this is getting stupid. <laughs> Yeah, this is another homebrew rule, isn't it? Yeah, so if, if you want to feed someone else a chicken wing in combat, you have to make a dex check, and if you just fail, imagine... they choke. So I like the idea that like you could crit foul that and it flies into the goblin's mouth or something. Yeah. You know, yeah, they would get some good shit, I tell you. Accidentally yeah, force-fed just... the enemy a chicken wing, oh no. <laughs> And now they are extremely strong. So and they glow for ten minutes as well. <laughs> Do the chicken wing benefits stack? No. No, they don't. Do they? No, they, they don't. don't. I think if they did, we'd all be pretty invincible pretty quickly. So um, yeah, and they only last for about ten minutes. The effects. I mean, as well. that's pretty long in D and D world, though. Yeah. Yes. That's a hundred rounds of combat. <laughs> <laughs> what we found is so we've got a list set of, of things, but we don't know what effect all of them has. So sometimes we find something and we put it in the mix and it's actually not particularly advantageous. Mm. So there have been some things that have occurred to have been. Yes. This, this just about, this so reminds me of like Zelda Breath of the Wild, like cooking. Yeah. Just throwing random stuff in there that you find. Just get it in there. Oh, these these <laughs> eyeballs will help make this soup better. <laughs> yeah, we've got a giant big toe in there. That's one of the things. Oh, so there's wow. there's a lot of weird shit in it. <laughs> wow. What is the okay, um 
because we're this is like the ultimate house rule and this has worked out quite well but what is the best benefit and what is the worst benefit that you guys have had from eating these chicken wings i i think we had a fight against so basically so the benefits are like there, there are, there's a variety of them, there, but they, they are not like necessarily in, the, in and of themselves enormously potent. But circumstantially, we had a fight against some uh, some zombie undead characters, and one of the benefits, and Hannah, you might have to help me out here. One of the benefits is that you get is it double damage against undead? Yes, that with was, like a melee weapon. Yeah, with melee weapons. That in that fight, that was unbelievably helpful. Like, I was churning through these zombies, which was awesome. Especially as our rests are kind of few and few and far between because we almost always make bad decisions. So quite often, you know, on like four HP, really ragged, <laughs> not had to sit down in 16 hours. So, um, yeah, that, that double damage was was lovely. I guess as far as like the worst, worst one goes, they do the water Oh, okay, yeah. The yeah. water vomit was terrible, admittedly. So we got a water pearl and it, we thought, oh, let's pop it on the, the mix. But then it just makes you vomit water for 10 minutes. Oh, oh, dear. That's not ideal. And also another, you do glow as well, another one, which is sometimes good. But sometimes if you want to be stealthy and you're glowing as bright as a 60 watt bulb, yeah. not ideal. Yeah, that's not going to work out, is it? That's <laughs> not gonna... <laughs> I mean, I was going to um, sort of round down the episode by saying, you know, sell us the show. But to be honest, I, <laughs> I think you might have already done that. <laughs> just telling us about these I mean I'm going to be honest yeah I'd, n- I'd not heard much of the show and I, like today this morning I was like oh okay I'll, I'll stick on a couple of different episodes just try to get a feel of what's going on um, I couldn't really to be honest <laughs> uh, my fault really they do do give a disclaimer watch from the start I didn't I just jumped in Yeah, <laughs> I just jumped in at the end you can never but, just uh, jump in on d d now either. I'm going to have to go back you know and really understand the origins of this and uh you know, yeah, I, I like it. I mean, I like the idea. I like the the little the things I like about D and D. The sort of little little like bits of verisimilitude bits. The 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 sort of odd specifics you need to do. I like, I like the idea that you had to fashion satchels to catch the wings. Yes. You know, that was just that's just like a fun idea to me that you had to think <laughs> of that. Yeah, you're quite a D and D inventor, though, aren't you, Jay? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I just like the details like that. That's I, that's fun. Answering the little problems like that are some of the most fun parts of doing D for me. Oh, completely. Answering the like, answering like the, the really little. Oh crap! We've not thought of that. Oh, how are we going to sort this? Like little little silly thing. Uh, it, some of the so I, I think they make some of the best moments in D and D as well. To do does the giant chicken have like a personality or? Not. Yeah. Does it have a it's, name? Um, Pluckers. Oh, okay. Okay. Obviously. Sorry, I don't know why yeah. I asked that. <laughs> Obviously, it's called Pluckers. Yeah, yes. Um, and it's about the size of a pig. Right. We spend about the first ten episodes trying to Ian unsuccessfully trying to convey to us how large it is. <laughs> we keep being like, I pick it up, and he was like, I don't think you can pick it up. Maybe Jacob can pick it up. None of the rest of you can pick it up. We're like, can't. Oh, I, I just try anyway, and then just fail. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, it's a. Uh, I think if you're looking for something on the more comedic end of the spectrum, shall we say, um, which certainly is how we play. And we thought it, it, it's stupid to do anything other than how we enjoy playing and, and what our kind of game is. Um, they're good because of how short they are as well. Like, like because, like for me, I'd listen to podcasts when I'm on like a commute to work, for instance. Hmm. I don't have four hours to sit and listen to a, 
an actual play where whereas like yoga guys are like forty five minutes to an hour. It's, yes, but it's perfect. It's not too long, and it, it means catching up. It doesn't take as long to catch up either. Oh yeah, like that's in my don't mind. don't get me wrong. Critical Role is great, but I'm still sixty episodes behind. <laughs> yeah, I I, str- I struggle to. I don't. I whether is this bad to say this, but I really find it hard to watch Critical Role because just because of how long it is. Um, mm. But Dave, Dave, Dave absolutely loves it, and so does Cam. They both love it. They watch all of it every every week. But mm. I just don't have the time. I don't mm. have the time to spend four hours a week watching D and D. Yeah, it's quite a commitment, isn't it, time-wise? It is is a commitment. Especially when you're already playing as well, and you're committing your time to to being in a game as well as as trying to watch one as well. So yeah, 45 to an hour is is perfect. Um, What day do you guys release? Every other Tuesday. Awesome. Um, Yeah, as I said, Ian basically does all of the hard bits. Writes the adventures, DMs the adventures, edits the adventures. Personalises the adventures. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So every other week kind of makes sense, um, yeah, from our point of view. Um, I, I mean, I understand Ian's pain because I carry this show. You know what I mean? I really, <laughs> honestly, it's, it's on my back the whole time. You know, where, it's tough. Where we speak him. common would be without you, Joe. I, I mean, I oh, know this is it. Dread to think, mate. Dread to God, think. Whatever will I do? <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, look, I, I also, I kind of, I'm going to pitch it because Joe and I have this. Um, this streak where we try and get something out of our guests but uh, if you ever wanted really deadpan serious characters to come and join you on some chicken adventures uh, we are a call away we would love that <laughs> get you on a little side quest with us <laughs> yeah absolutely Ah, i feel like a proud dad <laughs> you, you made this beautiful thing happen look at that yeah but to be fair in all seriousness we should thank you for um the, putting this together kind of because um it absolutely no problem it's through the dice dungeon that that we all we all get to work together so yeah no problem that's that's one of the things that that we this is what i should have said in my sales pitch here we go take two take two things we want to do this is the one of the things i want to do as part of the dice dungeon is i want to help promote like people like you guys in the scene that really deserve the the credit for all the work you guys do and you know like to try and help the uk tabletop rpg scene grow as much as possible because um, it's such a cool thing and it needs to be out there more I think we're, we're doing a good job of it already but I think there's a lot more to be done mm. um, so yeah it's credit to yourselves for doing you know for doing such a good job thanks mate, thanks, mate. and thank you for having us on ah. we love yeah I love a talkie show like this where as someone who is a relative newcomer that you know as I said jokes aside not you know not the most au fait with all of them um, D&D rules I love kind of uh, shows like this where you can kind of explore characters and stuff like that a bit more I think it's a it's a really great show so thank you so much for having us on yeah thanks for thanks for letting yeah. us talk talk shit for I, an hour and a half <laughs> can I say one more thing one more thing before we sign off yeah go on is that right okay I just want to say a quick thank you to all the We Speak Common viewers uh, who have purchased sets from the Dice Dungeon we love you. Thank you so much. <laughs> it really did. No, it, it, we really do appreciate all the support you guys have shown us um, via We Speak Common. It's uh, it's really great. So yeah, thanks for that. I just to pull out there that we're super grateful. And it's all got a bit of motion at the end. Here. It really it's has. Nice. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I just wanted to pull that out there. <laughs> I mean, look, if if we're done pan each other's back, Joe and I would like to go back to uh, hurling abuse at each other. So uh, yeah, do it. That's our happy place. It is. It's where we're most comfortable. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Well, look, this has been. Um, this is going to be. I mean, I'm, it's been fun right now. Future Ben is going to have a headache editing it, but I am quite looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, a million of us on here. It is going to be good fun. Thanks, thanks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need it. Um, but, but we'll get through it. And yeah, uh, what we'll do, we'll stick the. I mean, we've got a link to the Dice Dungeon in the um, episode uh, descriptions anyway. So we'll stick a link to uh, you guys for Dragon Wings too. I'll get you to send me your your. The link you want to um, to to promote the most, whether it's oh, Spotify or Apple or, or whatever, I take you pick one and I'll stick it in there for you. <laughs> oh, See us being nice. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. Well, look. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for chatting shit with us for an hour and a half. And um, we will we will talk about giant chickens and wings sometime soon. I'm sure. Again, Joe, is there anything you want to say? We can only hope before um, before we go. No, this has been great. This has been a really good one. It's always tricky when you've got lots and lots of voices over the old internet trying to get a podcast to work, but this went, you know, nice and smoothly, so we appreciate that. And, uh, you yeah, know, lots of good ideas here. I mean, basically, Ben didn't defend his position at all on the Monk, so mm. it's sort of an irrelevant point. <laughs> we'll have to come back here, again. You know what I mean? That's I will make the presentation. I'll do it. Don't, don't make it. <laughs> do it, mate. I don't mind, okay? Look, I, I have PowerPoint too, okay? That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Right. Amazing. All right. Uh, oh, okay, I'm going to um, go crack open another cider. Thanks, guys. And we will speak again soon, I'm sure. Bye-bye. Awesome. Bye. See you later. Thanks for listening today. If you like the podcast, do us a favour. Leave us a like or review on your platform of choice and share us with your friends. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at WeSpeakCommon or through the email WeSpeakCommon at Hotmail.com. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is licensed under an attribution license CC by NC. You can find it on the Free Music Archive. Free Music Archive.